0: but somehow they looked innocent, naive to me. "'As you can see from the plaque, this is a statue of our university's founder,' said the tour guide, a bubbly, red-cheeked student who came off like a game-show host in training. "'We like to say that this statue tells three lies. First, our founder was unfortunately not this handsome. He hired a young philosophy student to pose in his place.' People in the crowd turned to smile and chuckle at their loved ones. The second lie is the date. Here it says 1647, but our university was actually founded in 1641. No one knows why the wrong date was engraved here. I looked at my watch. Class in five minutes. I had to run before I could hear the third lie. My first class was called Justice. It was taught by perhaps the most famous professor at the school, a man named Ernesto Bernini. Professor Bernini wrote the book on the philosophy of law. He was also the former Attorney General of the United States. The classroom itself was a work of art. The lower walls were paneled in dark cherry wood, while the high walls and ceilings were light cream, covered by portraits of past deans, and a full wall of stained glass windows each one coming to life as the sun moved behind it. I sat up near the top. The rows of chairs sloped down in a half circle to a single lectern at the heart of the room. I took a seat and watched the room fill with students. There was an electric buzz of excitement, a hundred rapid conversations I couldn't make out. Some students looked like they came from New England prep schools with ruffled hair and blazers. Crisp blouses and smart pants. I saw hipsters with spiky hair and iPods, straight from NYU or Columbia. Still others came from Big Ten schools in the Midwest, wearing khakis and button down plaid shirts, sweats, and baseball caps. Everyone seemed better looking than average, with an easy charm that filled the room. And it occurred to me that I knew nothing about these people. The hipster might be from Kansas the blazered spectacled prep schooler might actually be a public school kid from Oklahoma. This was a place of reinvention. At this school, at this moment, whatever we decided to be was possible. A young black man in a coat and tie sat down next to me. Nigel, he said, offering me his hand. I was surprised to hear a British accent. He was crisp and curt, but he had a wry, mischievous smile. "'Jeremy,' I said. He grinned, then turned to open his laptop. I didn't see Professor Bernini walk to the podium. I just heard his quiet throat clearing, and the room fell silent. His sprightly eyes moved over the crowd. "'Each year,' he said in a soft, sing-song voice, "'I come here to greet the new students.' He was a small man, but he radiated power. From his eyes, from his hands, the casual way they draped over the lectern. Each year I get older, and you remain young, vital, and curious. He had a twinkle in his eyes that reminded me of an elf, something from a midsummer night's dream. The study of law is a life's pursuit. This is not physics or math, where you are over the hill at thirty. Law is reason, but it is also experience and wisdom, and so, Law is time. He paused to lay a creased, spotted hand across his brow. Good news for little old men. The class laughed as he gently shook his head. I realized then how frail he looked, how his spine bent forward, and his skin was paper thin. But his eyes were alive and shining. He consulted his seating chart, tapped his finger on it, then walk to the front row and look down at a blonde student. Suppose, Mr. Anderson, you are kidnapped from your room this evening, drugged and abducted. When you awaken, you find yourself in a mine cart that is hurtling down a track at tremendous speed. Ahead of you, you see five children playing on the rails. You call out, but they can't hear you over the roar of the cart. They are too close for you to stop in time. Bernini shook his head feeling the weight of the situation. There is no question they will die. The blonde student met his eyes.